Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well, because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is your health. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments so you can feel normal again and live your life to the fullest. Today's topic is about digestive health. I'm so very excited about today's show because my special guest is Kristen Thomas. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Kristen Thomas is a certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and holistic health coach with additional training in digestive health, hormone balancing, SIBO, thyroid conditions, detoxification, and stealth infectious disease. She has lived through chronic illness and reversed her own ulcerative colitis and other health challenges such as leaky gut, food sensitivities, hormone imbalance, and a half a dozen gut infections. Kristen, thank you so much for being my special guest today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. I'm so excited to be here, Dr. Carey. Can you first start with telling us about your story? How did you heal your digestive tract from ulcerative colitis and all of those gut infections? Yes, it's been uh, quite the journey over the past decade or so. Um, So, you know, as, as most people begin, you know, figuring out what's going on and how they can start to feel some relief, I begin the conventional medicine route. Um, and, you know, after several rounds of treatments there and, and really only seeing issues get worse, I just kind of had a light bulb come off in my brain that, you know, something just wasn't adding up, things weren't working, and I had to take a different approach. Um, and so I started to do some research in terms of how I could turn to food as medicine, because at that point, I just knew that a lot of foods weren't working for me. And I saw a pretty direct correlation between when I ate foods and my ulcerative colitis symptoms flaring up. So I figured that was the first place that I could begin. And um, so I began to eat, I guess we could call a paleo diet. So, you know, pretty much really clean meats, veggies, fruits, things like that. And within two weeks, I felt a world of difference. And it was, you know, noticeable change that I had never felt before. And I just knew that I was onto something. And it was just such, you know, an addictive feeling because I was finally feeling better after years of just feeling terrible every single day. And uh, so, you know, really from there, I just I started working with um, several like functional and holistic practitioners who could kind of help me dig in even further. So, you know, continued on the food journey, continued to fine tune my diet, ran some food sensitivity testing, ran some, you know, in-depth testing to find out what other pathogens and, and infections were causing this inflammation in my body, began to address those with um, herbal treatments and really just kind of continued down from there. But um at this point, I have been completely cleared of my ulcerative colitis. Um, my acid reflux is totally gone. Um, my SIBO conditions have have completely resolved themselves, and I'm just in such a better position than I ever thought I could be in such a short period of time. 
Do you mind sharing with us the gut testing that you went through and the infections that they found? Sure. So, um, so I've run, you know, in, in sort of my, uh, my journey the past couple of years in, in doing all of this, I've probably run a handful or so of different stool tests. Um, the one that I, that I ran on myself that I found the, the most information from and the one that I now run on my clients is called the GI map test, um, which is a DNA-based stool analysis um, that's able to find things like parasites, bacteria, yeast, fungus, um, and you know several other digestive health markers. Um, so when I first started running these tests on myself um, and with, with other practitioners uh, earlier on in my journey, before I was a functional practitioner, um, I found that I had um, right off the bat a parasite, and um, and then soon after I realized I ran another test and I found that I had H. pylori, which is a pretty nasty bacteria infection in the stomach, um, and that one that one really closely correlated with how I was feeling. Um, just all my digestive health complaints were very closely linked to all the common symptoms related to to um, H. pylori, um, and then from there. An additional test that I ran probably a year later found that I had candida and still a little bit of dysbiosis or bacterial imbalance. Um, so really kind of each time I ran one of these tests, which is every like six to 12 months, um, I kind of found that I was peeling back the the layers even deeper and really, you know, getting more into what else is going on in my system. So as I addressed each sort of major pathogen, like the parasite and, and H. pylori, and candida, um, I was finding that less and less major things like those were showing up on my tests, and it was more so just a little bit of, of bacteria imbalances here and there um, that I was able to, to even more easily address. So it was kind of a very you know methodical process, addressing you know the main things that were going on for me, calming down the system, but continuing to do that investigative work to make sure that everything was was taken care of. Like you, I practice in a way that I find testing is vitally important. So I'll often run gut testing, different gut panels on patients to try and figure out if they have infections, where are their infections, mm-hmm. how do we treat their infections. Yes. So I'll test them and then I'll treat them and then I'll retest them to make sure mm-hmm. that, you know, the treatment worked or not. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I think when we when we talk about digestive issues, I, I think most people have an idea of you know, what symptoms they would probably have if they had a digestive issue. But what are some of the other signs and symptoms that can hint at a potential digestive health problem that Mm -hmm. people may not necessarily associate with the gut? Yeah. So I love this question because, you know, and as I've gotten more into this, both myself personally and also professionally, um, you know, just the the vast ways that digestive health issues can present themselves in the body really go well beyond just, you know, basic stomach pains and constipation and things like that. So a lot of things that, that can also signal a potential digestive health issue are things like poor sleep. So if somebody is having trouble getting to sleep or staying asleep, like they're waking up pretty often, that can be a sign that, that they have a digestive health issue um, for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, a lot of pathogens like parasites in particular actually have sort of an opposite circadian rhythm or, or waking cycle as we do. They're actually more active at night. And so if somebody has you know, a pathogen infection like a parasite um, and they're feeling sort of that, that wired feeling at night, it could be that that's going on. Um, if there is just general, you know, infections going on in, in the system that can, you know, be a stressor on the body, which can raise our 
cortisol levels, um, which can keep us awake um, or, you know, potentially wake us up during the middle of the night. Um, So there's a lot of sort of, you know, functional ways to look at why we're not sleeping, but very often that's happening or just in general, you know, somebody is truly just in pain or, you know, going to the bathroom very often, that in and of itself can can wake people up or prevent them from having a restful sleep. Um, low energy is also another huge sign. Um, so if your system isn't able to, you know, digest the foods you're eating, if you know if you're eating super healthy, you know, kale salads every day and smoothies and all that good stuff, um, if your system, you know, isn't able to fully break down that food, whether because there's just so much inflammation, um, or the pathogens are kind of getting in the way, or there's, you know, um, reduced capacity to produce enzymes or acid in order to even break down the foods, um, you're not able to to get the nutrients into your cells that from your food that your body even needs to have energy in the first place. Um, so, you know, that can go a long way towards, you know, not feeling fully awake and energized when you first get up and not continuing to have much energy throughout the day. Um, irritability and depression and anxiety. So like a lot of like mood based and brain related um, conditions can sort of arise out of all of this. Uh, the mind gut connection is extremely strong. Um, if you know, things in the gut aren't too happy, then things up in the brain aren't going to be happy to, um, you know, the, the concept of our brain, our gut kind of being our second brain couldn't be more true. There's, there's a nerve actually in our body that goes from about your abdomen area to your brain called the vagus nerve. And, um, if, you know, it sends signals basically. And so if you're having issues down in the gut, that's actually going to send a signal to your brain that, Hey, things aren't going so well, we're not feeling so good. So a lot of people can, you know, kind of by a result, have some of those mood imbalances or just not feel like themselves anymore. Um, and there's a whole, you know, host of, you know, dozens of other, other, you know, things that can be going on in the body that can cause those mood disorders, but a lot of them can be related to to the gut for sure. Um, and the last one that I typically see with people that's this kind of a hidden sign of digestive health issues are skin rashes or irritation. So if if somebody has just kind of unexplained patches of like dry, itchy rashes, um, sometimes I see it on the legs, on the face, sometimes even the back of the upper arm, um, there'll be some rashes, which which often is, is linked to gluten, actually. Um, those can typically be related to, you know, some type of infection. It could be like a skin-based infection like a yeast. It could be, like I said, from gluten. It could just be a result of some other inflammation or infection going on in the body that's kind of presenting itself outwardly on the skin. Okay. So to recap, you mentioned sleep and energy issues, mood imbalances, Mm -hmm. skin rashes, irritations. I'm Mm -hmm. also going to add to that list chronic pain Mm -hmm. and hormonal imbalances that I see in my practices commonly have some kind of a gut Uh, component as part Mm -hmm. of their puzzle and it's like a vicious cycle that Mm -hmm. the patient is getting into and then to go back to sleep um, you mentioned about cortisol being spiked during the night um, because of the stress of the pathogens on the body you know the other thing that I think of too is that when people have insomnia I wonder if they have underlying gut infections and if those gut infections are depleting their melatonin levels because mm-hmm. melatonin is for our sleep-wake cycle but it's also a very powerful anti-inflammatory compound that our body mm-hmm. makes naturally right and uh, your body might be using that melatonin up to quench the fire going on in the gut 
Mm-hmm. And then that's then that's why you're waking up during the middle of the night. Potentially. Yes. yes. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of times when I'm when I'm doing stool testing with clients, we're pretty much simultaneously running some hormone panels. And um, you know, melatonin is a is a hormone. And so typically when I'm running those in parallel and I see that the melatonin is out of whack and they have gut dysfunction, that pretty closely correlates with what's going on with their sleep. So there are so many different reasons why digestive issues are so much more common today. Mm-hmm. Um, genetically modified foods, eating too many prepared prepackaged foods, the glyphosate Roundup pesticides that is used in our food supply. Oh my gosh, so many different reasons. Mm-hmm. What are the most common ones that you see in your practice? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a lot of the common you know, issues that I'm that I'm seeing today in my practice are um, things like constipation and diarrhea are, you know, some of the first things that, that my clients tell me are going wrong. Because, you know, if you're going to the bathroom multiple times a day, maybe even more frequently, if you're kind of skewing towards a diarrhea, or maybe much less, maybe even a couple times a week, if that, if you're skewing towards constipation, that obviously is a big change from, you know, what was probably normal early on in your life. Um, and that can, you know, those can be very closely correlated with, with your diet, with your lifestyle. Um, so, you know, when we're eating, you know, foods that have, um, you know, chemicals in them or they're just like very like processed foods or convenience foods that are, you know, loaded with food items. Well, I say food in quotes, uh, food items because, you know, our bodies just aren't recognizing what those foods are. And it doesn't recognize them as, as nutritional foods that it can actually utilize for energy and regular function. And, uh, you know, so when we're, when we're kind of giving our bodies that, that level of food with a poor nutritional, um, you know, concentration uh, of food items, it's just so hard for our systems to, you know, operate normally. And so we can, we can get constipated or if there's like inflammation going on, we can sometimes have diarrhea because the system just truly, you know, cannot process the foods um, and we're just kind of expelling the foods pretty quickly. Um, so those are some pretty common ones. Um, of course, you know, stress can play into things like constipation and and diarrhea, depending on how it's presenting with someone. And, you know, again, you know, sort of taking a functional approach to all of this. There's a lot of other things that can be going on um, that could be at the root of those. Um, another very common issue that I see with clients is acid reflux. And, um, you know, I'm seeing very heavy over-medication on acid reflux. Most of my clients who come to me with this have been on proton pump inhibitor medications like Nexium uh, for, you know, 10 plus years. And, um, you know, what this does is it really kind of suppresses your body's ability to to produce stomach acid. Um, And over time, we end up having, you know, not too much stomach acid, but we end up having too little stomach acid. Um, So I have a lot of my clients do an easy at-home baking soda test. Um, They can start to give us some indicators in terms of how low or not their stomach acid levels are. And with that, we can actually pretty easily start to, to address the, the acid reflux issue and help to actually build up the, the acid levels in an amount that the body actually needs to break down the foods. Um, so, you know, those are constipation, diarrhea, acid reflux are typically the most common things that, that I hear people say right off the bat that they have. But more often than not, people are coming to me with a whole host of issues, you know, as they're coming to most functional practitioners with, you know, they've had complex issues for 
years or maybe their entire life and they've tried to see so many different doctors and other practitioners for, you know, people have told them that their, you know, blood results and everything looks fine, but they know they don't feel fine. And if anything, they're seeing issues progress and get worse and they're just feeling farther and farther away from from their normal selves. Um, and in the meantime, just kind of put on those heavy medications and, you know, which in and of itself can have a lot of a lot of consequences. So, you know, I see a lot of complex things, but those are typically the most common things that most everybody coming to me has. And then can you take a moment and go back and uh, describe to our listeners what the baking soda test is? Mm, yes. So, so the baking soda test is a really easy um, at-home test that you can do. So, you know, anybody who's listening is wondering if their acid, if their stomach acid levels are adequate. So, what you can do is um, first thing in the morning, and you want to do this for about five days in a row around the same time each day on an empty stomach. So that's why I say first thing in the morning before you've had food, you're going to mix about um, a quarter of a teaspoon of baking soda with about a half to a full cup of water. Um, and you're going to drink that and then set a timer on your phone. You want to drink it, you know, pretty quickly, um, set a timer on your phone and you want to time how long it takes you to burp after you drink the baking soda and water combination. And, um, I have a guide on my site, um, but it, it, it basically breaks down, you know, how soon it takes you to burp and how that relates to your potential acid production. I think if it's, um, if it's within two minutes or so you have, you have adequate levels and kind of the longer it takes you to go on, um, the lower acid levels you have. So when I first did this test on myself, um, it took me about 20 minutes to burp. And that was totally on the skew of having very low acid levels. And since I've been working on that, you know, it's it's been getting better and better. But it's it's certainly a process. But it's always good for people to, to kind of just run that baseline test, get an idea, run that over five days to kind of see, you know, if there's a trend um, and, and be able to get that, you know, initial data to see where, uh, where your acid levels might be. Kristen, what are three things that listeners can start doing today to begin to improve their digestion? Mm -hmm. Um, And what are some of the things that you see most people are not doing? Yes, definitely. Um, So... So let's see. So things that that people are typically not doing, but they can certainly help with their digestion. So one of them, the first one I'm going to say, it sounds extremely simple, but you'd be surprised how many people are not doing this today. And it's chewing your food thoroughly. Oh, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's true. So it sounds yeah. so basic. And we're, we're like, oh, obviously I'm chewing my food, but are you really chewing your food? And the reason that that's so important and why so many people aren't doing it today is because, you know, think about how, how stressed and how busy so many of us are today, right? We're eating on the go. We're rushing through lunch to get back to that one o'clock work meeting. We're eating in the car or on the train on the way to work. Um, you know, we're, we're snacking in between, you know, whatever's going on in life. We're not, you know, sitting down as much to have meals, taking the time to chew, you know, sitting at the table for an hour to really enjoy our food. We're rushing through it and we're not thinking about it. We're multitasking. We're, you know, watching, we're binge watching Netflix. We're on our phones. You know, we're, we're just doing things that aren't allowing us to actually focus on the event of eating our food. We're doing other things around that and food kind of comes secondary. So, so what are some of the things that you have people do or change in their lives so that it sets them up for success so yes. that they are chewing their food? 
Mm -hmm. So, you know, a couple of things. So putting away the electronics. So if you typically, you know, eat with your phone nearby and have a habit of checking, you know, Instagram or Facebook while you're eating, put that away. Maybe have everybody in your family just put their phones up in their bedrooms or just in another room. Um, turn off the TV. So many of us are, you know, just eating by the TVs. And again, we're just scarfing down our meals while we're watching our favorite show. Turn off the TV. Actually sit at the dining room or kitchen table with your family, friends, whoever you live with, and actually focus on, you know, having great conversations, focus on the smell of your food, focus on chewing your food, and just being present. Those are two of the biggest things that people can start to do. And then any other tips around uh, chewing food? Um, so generally, rule of thumb is chew about 30 chews per bite, um, depending on, you know, what the food is. Like if you're chewing, um, you know, of course, like meats or um, like tougher veggies or nuts or seeds, absolutely, you should be chewing about 30 bites. Um, and just making sure that, you know, that's that's fully soaking your food before you swallow it and go on to your next bite. And so what else do you see that most people are not doing? Mm-hmm. So... Another thing is not addressing stress. So stress has such a huge impact on our digestion. So our bodies basically have, you know, at a very basic level, our bodies have two different modes. It's fight or flight or rest and digest. And those are controlled by our nervous system. And so as you can imagine, when we're in the fight or flight, our bodies cannot simultaneously be in rest and digest and able to break down our food. So if we're super stressed, even if it's just chronic stress from everyday things that are going on, and you're not allowing your body to sort of shift into that rest and digest when you're about to eat a meal, it's going to be a lot harder for your body to digest food. So some ways that I encourage people to help to shift their bodies into that state when you're about to have a meal is, you know, again, going back to like turning off electronics and other distractions and chewing. But other things are actually becoming present with your meal. So taking a couple of deep breaths before you even dive into your food to become present, leave all those stressors and all the worries on your mind behind, even if for the next 20 minutes, um, smelling your food and just becoming closer with it can really sort of help to shift your body into that rest and digest state so that you can your body can divert its resources to the digestive tract so that you can produce the right levels of acid and enzymes and entice your muscular contractions across your GI tract to begin to come into motion, signaling to your body that you're about to eat food. Um, I think a lot of people just sort of, you know, see stress as this thing that's kind of out there, but they don't really know what to do with it, or they might not even recognize how closely linked it is to impacting your digestion. So, you know, taking even just one step each day to help to address it, whether it is just a couple of deep breaths before you eat or removing the electronics or, you know, maybe doing some yoga right after work and before dinner or meditation or you know, taking an Epsom salt bath at some point during the day or something that is self-care, self-loving, that can help to, you know, combat anxiety, stress, whatever's coming up for you so that you can put your body into that state has such a profound impact. And um, if I can add another thing to that list of how to address stress, as you were speaking, what came to my mind is that, um, you know, in some some cultures, people will uh, say a prayer before mm-hmm. they eat. And so then I, I just had an epiphany. So thank you, Kristen. I just had an epiphany that, you know, part of praying actually puts you in that uh, relaxation zone. Mm-hmm. 
And so people who pray or if you don't pray, you know, just practicing gratitude of thinking of three to five things um, before you start eating three to five things in your life that you are truly grateful for Mm -hmm. uh, that happened in your day or whatnot, you know, just taking a moment and just really sinking into that feeling of thankfulness, gratitude, whether you do it through gratitude or through prayer. um, I can see how that can totally put somebody out of stress and into relaxation, into that Mm -hmm. rest and digest zone. Absolutely. Yes. I love the idea of of gratitude. Um, That's, that's a practice that I brought in actually to my, to my own daily routine a couple of years ago. Um, It's something I do first thing in the morning and at night before I go to bed. And that I really noticed over time, a big shift in my mindset. And so, yeah, for somebody who wants to bring that to maybe a a pre-meal activity, that's fantastic. And then what's more, one more thing that you see uh, most people are not doing? Mm-hmm. So uh, another big thing is just not not listening to the signals that your body is actually sending you when you're having food. And what I mean by that is a lot of times we just, you know, again, we're rushing through the meals. We're not really correlating how, you know, what we're eating and how we're eating with how we are feeling. But a lot of times, you know, people will come to me and say, well, you know, I get bloated throughout the day. I get pain, blah, blah, blah. And I'll ask them, um, you know, is that related to food? And they'll say, well, you know, Kristen, I actually have no idea. I've never paid attention to it. And so what I encourage people to do and everybody who's listening to this to start to do is just start to begin to listen to what your body is telling you after you are eating or even while you're eating. Is Are there certain foods you're eating that are causing the bloating? Like after maybe you have dairy in a meal, you're getting bloated or stomach cramps or pains. And and maybe after you know you eat something with, with gluten or wheat in it, you're feeling a little foggy and low in energy. Or maybe after you eat sugar, you're feeling all wired for you know 30 minutes and then you have that crash. So being able to notice things like that is hugely important because that is a huge sign from your body that maybe those foods aren't working for you and they're actually causing some some other issues. Um, but you know, for people who are also who are already eating really clean and maybe already don't have things like gluten or dairy and sugar in their lives, other foods can still be triggers for them. And it might not be such, you know, a, a harsh reaction as dairy or gluten might cause. It might be more of like a food sensitivity reaction, which is a lot, um, a lot more of a subtle reaction or a delayed reaction to food. But it's still just as important to know. And that's where food journaling can come in really useful. And this is something that every single person who works one-on-one with me is encouraged to do right off the bat: is begin to write down your foods and how you are feeling. And over time, people start to notice, like oh, you know, when I have beans, I actually feel like I get more constipated that week. Or, you know, I notice that when I have apples, my stomach kind of feels funky or, you know, any number of things or maybe even coconut, it's causing bloating. Like really healthy foods can still have individual effects on people depending on, you know, what is going on inside of your system. And so that's why it's so important to be able to, you know, customize your diet in a way that's going to work for you. And one of the easiest and arguably cheapest ways to to begin to, you know, go on that process is just by writing down your foods and starting to listen to your body and and what is going on. Um, As soon as I did that in my health journey, 
that just has such an eye-opening effect on how things like coconut and eggs, for example, were just no-goes for me for quite a while. Um, and it just, you know, I've seen with all of my clients, it's just, you know, really kind of transformed their relationship with food, understanding how their body is, and really helping them to dial in on what foods are working for them so that they can hone in on those and begin to remove the others. So to recap these three tips that Kristen shared with us, and these are all very good reminders, uh, chew your food thoroughly, address the stress, and listen to your body. Mm-hmm. Kristen, how can our listeners find out more about you? Sure. Uh, so my website is thrivebyfood.com, where I am constantly blogging about all things digestive health. So if you want to dig in more and get real about things like poop and what you're eating and food sensitivities and all that good stuff, I'm always always writing about that. Um, and I'm pretty active on Instagram and Facebook. On Instagram, you can find me um, at Thrive by Food. And my Facebook page is facebook.com slash Thrive by Food. So I'll make sure for the listeners out there, I'll make sure all of those resources are in our podcast notes so that you can easily find Kristen and all of her valuable information. Kristen, thank you so much for being my special guest today. This has been an awesome interview. Thank you so much, Dr. Carey. All right, this wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Kristen Thomas. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next time for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carey is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carey is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carey.